This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. Today I am speaking with Molly Krukenberg, Director of the Montana Historical Society, an organization charged with protecting and sharing Montana's past. It's important for us to share the fact that the history is not one perspective. All of our stories make up Montana's past, and we don't all experience things the same way. The Historical Society is in the midst of building the Montana Heritage Center, and I'm excited to ask Molly how that's going. Molly, thanks for coming on the show. All right. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So tell us, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? So I actually grew up in Pennsylvania. My dad is a farmer. My mom's a teacher. So grew up um, rural area in Western Pennsylvania. And that explains your decision to study at University of Pittsburgh? That's one of the only um, places in Pennsylvania that I could get the degree that I wanted, which was a master's in library and information science with an emphasis in archival science, kind of near to home, but also really what I wanted to study. Yeah. Why did you want to study that? When I was in college, I got a job in the college um, library and ended up in the their small archives there and was introduced to primary sources. So okay. those letters that people wrote in the past, those diaries that people kept, and that um, I'd always loved history. Time I was a small child, till I went to college, that informed even what I wanted to major in. But being um, exposed to those primary sources, the, that first person account of what people were doing um, really solidified when I wanted to do. And that's how I got into library science and being an archivist was my first career. So maybe give our listeners uh, a brief education on how historians use primary sources to do their work. Like what is the role of a primary source and how do you make sense of it and telling a story from it? Oh, that's... That's a big question. We could fill a a whole whole show with that. But it's a great question because really... The, the stories that we read in history textbooks or the, the books that we read about history are based on all of those primary sources. So our great Montana historians that, that write about our past and tell our stories dig in and they read all of those diaries and they read all of those letters and they read all of those documents and records that our committees and groups and governments have created. And then they synthesize all that, that information and kind of create that story and tell it. But it, it really is is those personal stories that create who we are as yeah. Montanans and, and, and create our history. And it's so important that we share those individual stories and keep them. That's what I really love about history. At its very core, it's, it's the story of every individual that's made up our state that tells who we are as Montanans. Sure. And, and I, I'm trying to think of an analog from my research. I do a lot of survey research, and we have to use methods to account for the people that don't respond to the survey. So how do historians account for the primary sources that didn't make it or, or yeah. were never documented or stories that weren't told. So that's that's really hard. Right? Yeah. We, and we have to take that into consideration that, that there are stories that aren't 
taken into account for. And and there's other ways to look at that. Like we can we can look at oral histories mm-hmm. that were gathered. You can look at reports that were created um, by government entities. You can try to extrapolate from the diaries, like what people were saying about events or other groups that were happening. And so you can kind of try to Think about how other people were experiencing the past. Sure. Newspapers are a great way to look at that information, but you do have to think about that. And that's where the great analytical skills yeah. that come from studying history come into it. So you've been at the Montana Historical Society almost 25 years now? Yeah. yeah. What What was attractive about that organization coming from Pittsburgh or from wherever, wherever yeah. you were? You know, I've always loved Western history. Again, even as a small child, um, you know, always that that iconic Laura Ingalls Wilder, right? Mm, Always loved that. So always been attracted to to Western U.S. history. Um, Studied that when I was in college for my undergraduate degree. So when a job opened up at the Montana Historical Society, I took it. Nice. Um, And I moved here, started out as an archivist there, and I've, I've been at the Historical Society ever since. Spent my first just over 20 years there in the Library and Archives program. Um, so doing all of that work of, of preserving and cataloging and keeping those materials, those letters and diaries available for folks to use, to do their research with, to write those books and create mm-hmm. those documentaries and things like that. Um, and then just the last three years moved into the director's role. Super, and we should address like what is a historical society? What role does it play in, in our state, in our culture? What do y'all do? Here in Montana, um, the Historical Society has a lot of different roles. So we have five program areas that we really concentrate on. One is what we've talked a lot about already is mm-hmm. those those first-person resources that we're collecting for people to study. We also have our museum that collects and cares for the three-dimensional materials, um, so the artifacts, the artwork, those materials, and then creates these fabulous exhibits, right, where people can come and, sure. and look at the artifacts and learn from them. We also loan those out to museums across the state. Um, And that's an important thing, right? We want people around Montana to have access to all of these collections, whether it's digitally, through these loan programs, um, and in so many ways that we can make our collections accessible to people. We work a lot with educators around the state to make sure that our students have an understanding or can gain an understanding of of Montana's history and culture. Um, The State Historic Preservation Office is part of the Historical Society, so we work in a lot of different ways to make sure that our archaeological sites and our built environment is preserved and recorded. And then we also have a publications program. So we publish Montana history too. Mm. So all those resources that we gather, those uh, historians that are coming and and creating those articles and books about them, we help publish those. We have Montana in the Magazine of Western History, and we publish two books annually. So a lot of what you described would require a facility of some kind, and you're in the midst of building the Montana Heritage Center a breathtaking facility, at least according to all the the renderings I've seen. Talk about this project. What is it all about? It's really kind of two projects, really. One is to give us the physical home we need, right? We need to store these fabulous collections. We just have so many things that are so meaningful and important to Montana and so important that we have the right place to care for them. The other part is to create a building that's 
meaningful, that talks about Montana, and that really shares our heritage and culture in every single way. So that when Montanans want to learn and understand and talk about who we are as Montanans in the past and today and for the future, they can come to the Montana Heritage Center and be surrounded by and understand that. Yeah. And and how do you make choices about what that will be and look and feel like? You know, that's both really challenging and really interesting and really fun. Sure. We look at it that every part of the Montana Heritage Center speaks to Montana in some way, shape, or form. Everything about it speaks to sure. Montana. And so the the form of the building itself speaks to the landscapes of Montana. So as we, you know, five years ago started thinking about what the building might look like, we wanted to think about something that unites Montanans. And we came to the conclusion that our landscapes in Montana right unite who we are, mm-hmm. you know. What a great place to start, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's our plains, uh, the rolling hills, the badlands, the mountains, the cliffs, the glaciers, all of that unites us in some way, shape, or form, whether you're um, in agriculture or tourism, recreation. All of us have some interaction with the landscape. Mm-hmm. So our building, in essence, philosophically is all about the interaction between the landscape and the people of Montana, because that's where our history happens. Give listeners a sense. One of the things that was stunning to me was just the size. We have an existing building that was um, initially, the first part of it was built in 1953 is when it was opened, and then a few additions put on there, and that building is 95,000 square feet. And that's going to be completely renovated, you know, top to bottom. It's going to be part of the new Heritage Center. When we're all done, it will be one big facility. And then we're adding 66,000 square feet to that. So I'm a historian, not a mathematician. So that adds up somewhere north of 160,000 square feet. Yeah, that's pretty big. And then in addition, and that's the physical size of the building, but we're creating a campus surrounding that. So Mm -hmm. surrounding the building, landscaping that also interprets Montana history. So you're building this this wonderful facility um, and you have a lot of things that need a home. I'd love to learn about how you and your colleagues make choices about what gets a display and how that display gets constructed and and what version of history is told and and what what is kind of that we talked about methods earlier. How how do you sort of bring those methods to life and the choices that you're leading at the Historical Society? Yeah, you know, again, the really, really interesting process and one that we've been really involved in for the past three years. This is not an easy conversation to have. When the facility is done, we'll have about 30,000 square feet of exhibit space. Okay. So more than double the exhibit space that we have before. Almost half of that will be one gallery called the Montana Homeland Gallery that's um, a Roughly a chronological telling of Montana history from about 14,000 years ago to contemporary times. Even though 16,000 square feet is a lot of space, that's really hard to fit that many years of history into that much time. So it's hard to make those decisions. It's hard to determine of the 60,000 thousand plus artifacts that we have plus all of our pieces of art plus our million photographs what do we use to tell those stories Um, our curators have been 
having these conversations about what artifacts to put in, which stories to tell, like I said, for, for over three years now. And essentially, we've gone back and said, what are, what are the critical stories? What are the, the big stories about Montana that have to be highlighted as we're going through? And, and so there's some basics. Like, we really need to tell the story of Native American life in Montana pre-European contact. Okay. So that's, that's a big part of what we're telling. So there's the big themes, right? The gold rush, fur trade era, copper mining in Butte, World War One and Two, and kind of the homestead boom and bust, and the Constitutional Convention, big turning point in Montana. And so there's those big themes that we're telling throughout. But then scattered throughout all of that are smaller stories that we're, that we're telling and bringing in those human voices, bringing in multiple perspectives on things that it's important for us to share the fact that, that history is not one perspective. Right. As I as I mentioned earlier, all of our stories make up Montana's past. And we don't all experience things the same way. So we may all go to one event or there's one I think we, we were chatting before the show about, say, the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Exactly. For example. It's not an easy event to talk about in Montana history. There's multiple perspectives to that event. And so we're really dedicated to telling multiple perspectives on all of those events that are difficult to talk about and sharing those those different perspectives so that our visitors can understand that and really determine how they want to think about those events. And I think it's so important that we do that and understand that there are multiple perspectives. There's multiple perspectives on things today. There were multiple perspectives on things in the past sure. as well. So as a leader of the organization, how do you construct a team and a process to execute on that vision of telling as many sides as you can with as much accuracy as you can? Well, you know, fortunately, I have fabulous curators on our staff. So we're bringing in, we have, we have curators who lead from two perspectives. Um, one is the content perspective, that understanding what are the stories we need to tell, mm -hmm. what voices do we need to bring in at specific points throughout the gallery. And then also, what are those artifacts that tell those stories? The right? things, yeah. The things, exactly. And then the voices, the oral histories, the photographs, and things like that. And then the other side is that, how do we actually build it? What do the cases look like? What do the immersive structures look like? What do the media look like that tells help tell the story and help build those experiences? So we've also brought in outside historians to help review all the content to make sure that you know we're not missing or having just our own biases in, including Native American historians in that perspective as well. Mm -hmm. We've also brought in outside firms. So we have an exhibit design firm that's helping us design some things. We have an exhibit fabrication firm on board as well, and also a, a media design firm to help us design all the media. So lots and lots of work on our part of figuring out what those stories are and what those artifacts are and, and how we're going to make sure all of those fit, but lots of people to help us with lots of the details too. We'll be back to my conversation with Molly Krukenberg after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, this is Coulter Nuanas from ESPN Missoula, and you're listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. 
I'm speaking with Molly Krugenberg about the Montana Historical Society. And so you, I would imagine, rely heavily on public funding and and the gracious donations of benefactors and so forth. How do you balance, you know, if a, if a donor has a view of how a story should be told or wants a certain story to be told and not another, how, how do you kind of navigate those waters, assuming that they've come up at some point in your tenure? We've actually been really fortunate to not need to address that. Okay. But it's also not not something I'm willing to bend on. Sure. We, are, we are not Great. allowing donor interpretation into our galleries. We don't feel that that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's really um, historian-based. It's not possible to keep every bias out of your exhibits and out of history. It's just we're all human, correct? Yeah. But we're working- I don't think that should be the objective, right? Yeah. I mean, part of it is being open and transparent about those biases. Absolutely. And, and we're every time you're telling history, you're, you're bringing your own biases sure. from it. We're bringing our 21st century perspectives to it. And, and, you know, one of the things that is important is to make sure we're not putting our 21st century perspectives onto things that happened in the 19th century. But right. understanding what perspectives they had in the 19th century, which also makes us say we don't need to have those 19th century perspectives, but understanding where they were coming from and perhaps why that guided their actions then helps us understand maybe where we should go differently today. And that's part of the reason I think that the work that we're doing to create new exhibits is so important to create the entire Heritage Center, to be honest. It's understanding why these events in the past happened and how we keep some of them from happening again, right? It's, It's understanding the changes that have happened, why they happened, the way they happened, if we understand those now, that helps us shape a different future. And it feels like we're living through a time where the concept of history is is contested in a way. I mean, the telling of history has always sort of been contested in, in some fundamental way. We've talked about some of the methods that are used to navigate that. But we're also living through a time where, you know, on both sides of the aisle, we're seeing certain topics or certain interpretations of history be presented as threatening ideas, as ideas that maybe we shouldn't consider. How, how, how do you kind of view this period that we're living through now and your responsibility to kind of help Montanans find their way through and find truth in, in the moment? I'm not sure it's our responsibility to help people find truth, okay. but to help people understand the past. And I, I go back to this idea of providing multiple perspectives on things and providing information and allowing people to inform their own opinions. And so if we look at at topics that are difficult, and we need to look at topics that are difficult and understanding them, of avoiding topics that make us uncomfortable is, is not an appropriate response. Yeah. So, you know, in Montana, one of those topics is boarding schools. Right. And it would be easy to place blame in certain areas. That's not really the point. But the point is to understand, to understand why it happened, what everybody's perspective is on it, to understand that that certain people were hurt by that, and maybe to understand how we can prevent those things from happening again, to create places for conversation, I think is really important. I'm a big advocate for using events of the past to create conversations around current events yeah. so that we can move forward in the future. That, that's 
why history is so important, right? It's, it's to understand those really difficult conversations and, and create better from them mm-hmm. for the future. And there, there are absolutely things to celebrate our, about our past, too. Not everything's dark and uncomfortable. There are things that are, are really things to celebrate. I mean, the 1972 Constitutional Convention, I mean, that's a fabulous thing. There are so many women involved with that. There's you know so many great things. It was really one of the most progressive constitutions in the United States at the time. But those are also ways to create conversations, too, about what did that mean for Montanans and what does that mean for us today? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's what I think is important about the work that we're doing here. Let's talk about all the things you're doing to get students and young people involved in the historical society the heritage center because what you're describing here this this sort of openness to the complexity of our history and the various stories and multiple perspectives that is a sensibility that you know all of us need but young people in particular need to cultivate that early on in my view how, how are you engaging with with uh, kids throughout the state we're embarking on a campaign now yeah. to, to create a fund that we can help schools around the state with their with their field trip costs. Sure. I mean to be Big to costs. be honest, exactly. It's so expensive to get students to Helena to understand and to, to tour the Heritage Center. But mm-hmm. that's essentially what we want to do. We want to get every student in Montana at least once during their school career to Helena to visit the Montana Heritage Center, to explore our exhibits, to explore everything that we have to to share about Montana's heritage and history and culture, to tour the Capitol building, to understand how Montana's government works, how yeah. civics works, maybe to tour the downtown. But research has shown that the impact of field trips is incredible Mm -hmm. for students. Just to get out and experience firsthand leads to higher graduation rates in both high school and college. It leads to higher income. It leads to so many more things. And just firsthand, I don't know how many people I've talked to have said, I remember when I was a student and came to the Historical Society. That's what I want for Montana students in the future. You mentioned this campaign of trying to create the opportunity for every Montana young person to get to the, the Heritage Center. You know, where are you at in that process? Have you secured funding? Like, what, what does that look like? I know you've mentioned you have tremendous support from the governor and other leaders in the state. Give yeah. us an update. It's a $10 million campaign to kind of start this. We want it to be a fund where we've got this principle. We'll use the interest of it to fund this program and uh-huh. offer grants to schools. Right now, we have just over a million dollars already in hand towards the Great. campaign. Um, so that goal, like I said, is $10 million in hand so that we can initially start those grants in the 25-26 school year. So we're looking for some folks to help um, fill those coffers a little bit for us so that we can get this program up and running. If folks listening want to get involved, where would you point them? Just search for the Montana Historical Society, and you can find my name there, Molly Krukenberg, and just give us a call. I'm always happy to talk about this program. I'm so excited about it because I think it's so impactful for Montana's future. Molly, do you have a favorite Montana story? I don't know if I can choose. They're all your children at this point. I think what I can share is, you know, early on at the Historical Society, I answered a lot of research requests. So people write to us a lot and say, my family had this story. Can you share? Do you have any information on it? And 
We received a request. There's a story that the dad died and the mom lost the land and the kids went into care and it turned out to be true. Mm. And you know, when I did all the research, you could find the information. It was it was found out in in letters and in census records. And what ended up happening was the mother ended up in the same town that the children ended up being cared for by other family members, but she ended up being a prostitute because oh. there were very few other ways for women to support themselves, yeah. right? When they don't have a spouse to help support them. Mm-hmm. But she never had any contact with her children after that, even though they lived in the same town. Wow. So a sad story, but one that talks a lot about what it meant to be in the Western United States, to be a woman in the Western United States, to be a child in the Western United States. There was a lot packed into that one small family story that really had some meaning to it. And just so many things kind of packed into that. It's an important vignette for people to really grasp what people living through that time were experiencing. Yep. And it also, in my mind, helps understand a lot of what we do at the Historical Society is keep all of those stories. We keep everybody's story there. And we keep it so everybody, we can learn about all of those things because that story Going back to your first question about how do historians use those materials, that's how they use them. You understand that story, and then that does help us understand that women didn't have other resources. And that's it's not because women chose to be prostitutes. It's because they didn't have other resources. We have such double standards in our society. It's really hard to understand the choices and limitations that people are operating under when they're in it. And I think that is important to do in our in our relationships on an everyday basis, but in the past in particular, it's it's I think it's really hard to kind of try to put ourselves in the lives of these folks and try to think, well, you know, could I have made a different decision in that spot? What were the constraints? What were what were the hardships? Were there any other options? One of the really most powerful things I went through was in Leadership Montana. I attended several years ago, and every person there had to talk about themselves for eight minutes. Wow. It's really hard to do, to talk (laughs) about yourself for eight minutes. But you thought you knew, had had known this person that you had been attending a class with. Yeah. And after they talked about themselves for eight minutes, you realized you didn't know anything about them. Mm. And that's exactly what you're just saying is you don't, we don't understand. You you might read a textbook about, again, someone who participated in the Battle of the Little Bighorn, but until you really look at that one person or maybe even a group of people's exact perspectives, you don't you can't really understand what happened from their point of view. You can't really just look at somebody and understand what's going on in their life, whether that's today or a hundred years ago and understand why that decision was made and understand what those consequences were. And it's it's just incredibly important that we do that. And that essentially is exactly what we're trying to do with the Heritage Center and why it's so important that we're able to do this right now. Yeah, it is important. And Molly, I can't thank you enough for telling us all about it. Um, when do you expect the Heritage Center to open? So we will open our doors um, in late summer of 2025. Wonderful. A fantastic project, huge in scope and ambition. And uh, 
Sounds like you're the right person to be leading it, Molly. Thanks for sharing the story with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. It's great to be here. I have one last question. Do you know who killed Frank Little? I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I did. I have a historian who would love to know too. Wow. But there's some value in it being a mystery. Exactly. We have to have some of those. All right, Molly. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. Ella Hall is our production assistant. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music, and Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.